Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Kingdom is Now, Part 2. What is this? Recorded Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Well, if you're just joining us, we began this journey through the smallest gospel. It's called Mark. There's four in the New Testament. Mark was probably the first one written. And Mark wrote this so that the world would continue to revolve from the most important moment in the history of mankind. When God entered into the world, Jesus came into our world to save us. And so this is the story of Jesus. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we opened up by hearing that this is good news. That's how Mark opened. He wants to know the very best news that you could possibly have is to know Jesus. And then we talked about John the Baptist and his ministry, how he came to prepare the way for Jesus. And uh, he said, if you want to be ready for him, you need to repent. Repent. And we talked about repentance, meaning that we turn from our self-centeredness to put ourselves in God's hands. And so on this journey, we are going to be asking this question over and over again. It's really the, what we're confronted with if we're going to be intellectually honest about this, this, uh, this gospel. And that is, the question is, who is this? Who is this man? Who is Jesus? I mean, when it comes to Jesus, at every turn, you have to decide, am I going to crown him with thorns or with glory? We've talked about this. Now, in just, you know, just a few verses in, and by the way, at this point, we're at verse 14 in chapter 1. Mark has skipped a whole year of, of things that happened. Like in this year that he doesn't even talk about, all kinds of things happen. For instance, Jesus does this miracle uh, where he turns water at a wedding into wine. And then uh, Jesus walks into this village and there's a woman who's caught in the act of adultery and the town leaders bring, him, bring her to him and want him to judge her. And, and he, he does, he says, he, he makes judgment. He says, you who are without sin, you can stone her. You can be the one who casts the first stone. And so then, of course, they walk away because they realize that they're sinners too. And then already he has taught this high-level priest named Nicodemus what it means to be born again and really changes his world forever. And then he goes to this village where there's, it's a village in, of Samaritans, which would have been people rejected from Israel. And he saves the village and their most, most notorious sinner, a woman who meets him at a well. So there's all kinds of stuff that's happened, more than that. Now, we pick it up in verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, that happened too, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. So he keeps the word repent moving forward. Repent and believe in the gospel. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mark is directed to get this message out right at the start. It's time. It's time to repent and to believe the good news. So repentance is still there. In other words, whatever is in your life that's keeping you away from God, whatever is in your life 
that's making you less of a person than God expects you to be in this life. Whatever it is that separates you from God and from others, he's saying, put it on the line, put it behind you, and believe in him. He's got a better message for you. If you want to be fully alive, whatever it is that's keeping you from being fully alive, here's the good news. The good news is found in Jesus. And so the good news is found in something we call the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. You're going to hear this phrase over and over again. Jesus is a king, and he came to build a kingdom. And this is the first words recorded from Jesus in the the scripture. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The good news is here. This kingdom of God term, kingdom of heaven, it's used something like a hundred times in the New Testament. The kingdom of God is several things. The key, excuse me, the kingdom of God is both the, the present and the future. The kingdom of God is not just like, oh, someday heaven. The kingdom of God is here and now. It's something you're invited into. It, it's, it's the present. It's for you today. It's a reality you can be a part of today. But it's also, in the futuristic sense, it'll be a place a place where we will do life. It's, it's both now and later. It's a position and a place. And I'm under his rule in this kingdom, not just in the future, but at the moment that I enter in with him. I, I, I yield myself to his rule because he's my king. Now, you might want to ask, well, why is that good news? Because we are taught and led to believe in this world, we're the king. We're, we're the ruler. Like, this is a game of thrones, and I'm on the throne. That's how we... Look, if you're the ruler in the game of thrones, you'll never be happy. You'll never be regal. Like, like I think about myself, I'm really a lousy king if it comes down to it, and you're not much more regal yourself, okay? When my rule ends... That's when the real kingdom comes to life. When your kingdom crumbles, his rises from the dust. Why is that good news? It's good news because in his kingdom, it's the way it should be. So let's read on and see what this means for some people. This is how it starts. Matthew 1, or excuse me, Mark 1, 16 through 20. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon some call him Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further from there, he saw James, son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who were in a boat mending their nets. They were fishermen too. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and with the hired servants. And went after him. So here's, here's an initial understanding about this kingdom that we're talking about. Jesus' kingdom is built on followers, willing followers. Another term is disciples. Some of you have watched episodes of The Chosen. You know what I'm talking about? It's, a, it's the YouTube phenomenon, and you know, you know what it is probably, even if you haven't watched it. But I like how they show the calling and the following of Peter and Andrew, James and John, because I think it's accurate. 
It's not like Jesus just walked up to them one day out of the blue and like hypnotized them. Come follow me. That's not the way it worked. Likely, they had been exposed to Jesus in many different ways. They'd heard some of his teachings. They, they'd, they'd seen miracles that he had performed. Uh, and so then they, you know, when the time was right for him to call them, they, they were like, I know this guy. I, I know him. And, and I trust who he is. It's probably the same way many of you have come to follow him. It wasn't necessarily for you like a big moment for some of you. It was more like, you know, you, 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 there's something here. And I'm, you, maybe you start going to a church. Might have been this one, might have been another church. And the message just seemed to resonate with you. You're like, man, there's something about this guy. I need to, I need to follow him. Or maybe you were like a kid coming up in an in a environment where, you know, your parents or possibly some church, some, you know, like a church camp, um, could have been VBS and kids ministry, student ministry, something, something came into your life and you said, you know what, I, I, there's something about this guy. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Now, these are strong, rugged dock workers, by the way, these fishermen who who dropped their nets. These guys, day in and day out, they worked really hard. Like these nets would get inundated with fish, and they'd, you know, they have to drag them into the boat, and that's a lot of work. And, and, uh, and you know, then they had to probably barrel them up and get those barrels to the market. And it's just a day in and day out, just a really physical, hard job. These were manual laborers. And something in their in their minds clicked when Jesus came around. And they said, you know what? For as much as we want to do this work, there's something more important for us to do. And they followed him. I don't know what your image of Jesus is. Far too many artists have portrayed him as some spindly little fellow with soft features and a midline skirt and, you know, and kind of a, you know, that is not Jesus. Jesus was a manual laborer. We think of him as a carpenter. He was a carpenter because, because but, but it's not like you think. Like, it's like when I think about a carpenter, I think about somebody who's got a wood shop and they, you know, they take a little piece of wood and they do stuff. He was, no, he was a tekton, a tekton. A tekton, that, that word means someone who works with their hands, who makes things with their hands. And the thing about it is, I've never been to the region that Jesus lived in, but my understanding of that place is that there isn't a lot of wood there. There's some, but not a lot. Most of the things that a tecton built with were like stones and granite, heavy objects. So, so these houses, these fences, this furniture that he would build, I mean, he would, he would be a shaper of stone and granite. Last summer, uh, Dan Walter, Taylor Jones, and Andrew Burnell helped me reset a 20-foot retaining wall out by my house. Now, just a meager little project. It was a, like they were only 90 pounds, these stones. And so now I myself, I was the tecton foreman and they were the grunt labor, okay? I'm just putting it that way. So, like, you'd think just lifting a few 90-pound blocks, no big deal, right? Like, Andrew went to a chiropractor for, like, six months. <laughs> and, and, and Taylor and, and Dan, they will not answer the phone on Saturdays when I call. <laughs> they are no tectons. That's all I'm saying, all right? 
Jesus was a tecton. It means he was a dude. Like, and these fishermen, I think that appealed to them. I think they were dudes who said, that's a dude, and he's calling me. He's calling me. What does a willing follower look like? There's a few things we see from these guys. Number one, you follow. If you're a follower, you follow. Now, what does that mean? That means I personally have to step out of my kingdom into his. Like for Peter and Andrew, for James and John, they're like, this is my domain, this boat. I'm going to go under your kingship. That means I'm following you. I'm stepping out onto, your, onto the ground that you're calling me to. Now, I, just, I want to say this, too, about a king in his day, like in Peter's day, a king. We have these images of kings, and they're all kind of formed by movies and ser- uh, television series or whatever it is. You, maybe you read, I don't know. But we have these ideas. A king in their day, absolute tyrant. Like, just, you know, what? everything that kings... You didn't walk up to, the, like, in the town square, and they had, like, some, like, poster that says... The king edict, the decree is this, and then it says whatever this is. And you didn't walk up and say, huh, oh, that, that might be okay for the king, but I don't, I don't think I'm in on that. No, you're not in on that. You're on a cross, okay? That's what happens to you. Uh, that's what a king meant in their day. Absolute sovereign. And I will be the first to admit, like, like to me, like, this is the king's edict. This is a Bible. And... To me, it's like I have to decide, well, if the king says this, will I do this? And I'll be the first to admit that there are pages, there are even books in this decree that I don't like. But if he's the king and I'm the follower, that means that I got to take this very seriously. I mean, but I'm going to tell you, it's just not always easy because I would, even though I say he's my king, I still like to define what I want in certain places, right? And so do you. Let's just be honest. Okay, so, so here's the thing. He says in this decree, for instance, he says, this is how I want you to treat your enemies. And what does he say? He says, love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Forgive your enemies. And I'm like, eh, no, I like my way. I'm going I'm to take that page out. I'm going to insert my page. My page is my kingdom. I get to choose my, my page says, uh, no, revenge, uh, bitterness, hatred. And let's, let's be real on this. Destruction, shame, ruin. But what's the result of that for me? It's isolation. It's unhappiness. It's I'm miserable. I'm bitter. You can throw anything into the mix. It can be, you know, your, your sexuality. Come on, this is 2022. You want me to follow this ancient book on sexuality? Yeah, he does. He's your king. If he says it, you better do it. Or others, you're going to pay the price, and there will be a price to pay. And not that he's going to come at you, but life does that to you when you don't follow his ways in his kingdom. What about loving your spouse? What about money and possessions? It can be anything. Let me warn you. As we open up this kingdom manifesto, as we go forward, there are going to be pages and pages of unfair. There's going to be pages of pages of, that's not right. But let me tell you something. Most of it's going to be piled on him. Because it's completely unfair what Jesus endured for you and me. 
I will never be able to deserve or earn what, what his manifesto tells us about what he did for us. So I have to decide, will I give up my right to rule my life to him? I have to decide, will I yield to him? He didn't just walk into these fishermen's lives one day and say, hey, you guys want to have a better life? Follow me. Oh, okay, what will that take? How long? Oh, not very long, maybe a couple minutes. Here, just come, you know, get out of the boat. Just kind of go to your knee. Let's just say this little prayer. Just follow me. We're just going to say, repeat after me. Uh, I, amen. Go on your way. No. You will never find Jesus walking up to anyone saying, hey, just say this prayer, that's it. He is a Jesus who says, are you in or not? He really does. You're never going to follow him with one foot in the boat and the other foot on the shore. You ever tried that? That's no fun. It doesn't work. And so we follow. Here's another thing that they did. They left behind stuff. We leave behind. There's stuff we will leave behind. Because if I'm really going to follow him, it's his kingdom. So what I'm going to say is, Lord, I've got this stuff. I've got this life. Here's my old self. That's what Paul calls it. That, that's going to be buried. I'm going to go forward with you. Can you remember back to a specific time and place where you just said, God, I'm in. The old stuff, it's buried. It's gone. That's why God gave us baptism, because he says, I want you to have a time and place where you can say, I'm going to bury that, and you're going to go forward with me. But that's what that is. It's like an all-in moment. Have you ever had that moment? These guys left their jobs, their boats, their livelihoods. You have to ask the same question. What would it take for me to be all-in with Jesus, with, with my dreams, with my marriage, with my family, with my career. What would it mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that you got to push it all to the center of the table. Like, it's like, here's all my stuff, God. Here it is. I'm here. It's not like, you know, what we often like to do. Let's just be true about this. We like to say, oh, here, I want to come in. Here, here's a couple pennies. I'm, on, I'm in the game. No, that's a game of thrones you're never going to win. Not on his throne. It's either all or nothing, okay? I'm just telling you. These fishermen stepped out in the kingdom. Their boats were left behind. I don't know if you're going to leave everything. I, like, I would say this. Most of you are not going to go quit a job tomorrow. But if you're, if, if you're pushing it all into the table, you're saying, when I go to work tomorrow, I'm going in a different motivation, with a different motivation. Because he's my king. I'm taking my king with me. So it's like your marriage. It's like... You know, with your kids, your parents, it's like with your neighbors, it's, it's my community, it's where I live, this place. This is, this is the kingdom of Jesus, and I'm just a part of his kingdom. I'm not the capitan of anything anymore, okay? These guys had to make a decision. I love what Peter does with this, and you know, it's not found here, it's found in other gospels. You remember the story? It's really a good story. Mark left out all kinds of stuff. I don't know why. I have a theory on it. But anyway, so this is that cool story where Jesus comes up. He says, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And, and they're like, uh, okay, we just had a really lousy night of fishing. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'll do anything but this. That's not exactly what they did. Here's what Jesus said. He said, hey, you know what? Take those nets and throw them out again. I want to, let's see what happens. You throw them on the other side of the boat this time. And Peter's like, uh, 
you ain't no fisherman. If you were a fisherman, you're a good tecton, they say. I mean, I guess you can build stuff. You, never, you must not be a good fisherman because you would know if you're a fisherman that if you throw a net out right here on this beach with all these people roaming around here, splashing in the water, after a night that we didn't catch any fish, you, you'd know that this is a losing proposition. And so you know they were thinking that. And yet, I love what Peter says. It's like, because this is how we know he, we knew, he knew who Jesus was. He said, well, we haven't caught any fish all night, but because you say so, I'll do it. Because you say so. And I will tell you that I will speak for myself. I've lived enough life to know that if, if Jesus walked up to me and I didn't know him and he said, follow me with all the stuff in your life that you've brought to this point, I would have said, yeah, I haven't caught a lot of fish, Jesus, in this life that you've given me. I haven't lived it very well. I haven't been very successful. But by knowing him, I can say, but because you say so, I'll do it. And then you know the story, I think, maybe, how you know they caught more fish than they ever caught before. And that's the cool part of this. That's when he says, follow me. And you know what they did? They left the biggest catch of their lives with their father and with their hired servants, and they, and they did it. They left. That's pretty cool because I got to go after him. I mean, he's writing Peter's memoirs, Mark is, and I think Peter left out those details for this reason. This is my theory. You can take it or leave it. He wanted the folks to be on Jesus, not himself. Because he said, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. That's what he said to Jesus when he said, follow me. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. The humility of the man who changed the world because he followed Jesus. Peter went all in. All of you or none of you. He was called to that task. You know, I feel like around here, I see a lot of that. I know I do. Um, it, it's inspiring to me. Like when I hear about or I witness what people do here when they're on all in with Christ. Like even just some simple things that happened in the last month or so. I mean, a while back, one of our, some of our families from the Wasmer Elementary School, they, they do this gift share thing for the kids where people from the community bring gifts that the kids can then gift to their families and friends. And, and, and you know, they, they say to us, can you help us? And we just put out a thing to our church that said, can, you, can we help these people? And, like, they were inundated with, with gifts from people who just said, you know, this isn't my stuff. I can share this stuff because I'm in the kingdom of God. You know, there's a handful of people in Broken Bow who, you know the story by now, they reached out to us and they asked if we could help build a church in Custer County. They didn't, you know, they didn't know what we were going to say and you didn't really ask why. I, didn't, I never really had anybody come and say, hey, why are we doing that again? But I had a whole lot of people say, what's that going to take? Because I'm in. And you know, then the, the, now we're seeing great things happen there, like just in December, the Broken Bow family, the Third City family in Broken Bow, they went to the, the town square and they were there in the presence of the Festival of Lights and they, you see some pictures of that. They, you know, they, they brought chili and they just had a great conversation. I think about everybody from the church was there in Broken Bow. A lot of people from here. We're in. 
we're in. We jump out of our little kingdom and we follow him. We do it with our benevolence partnerships here in Grand Island. We have a lot of those, and I think they know that we care because you're in. We do it with our missions partners, not just here but around the world because you realize this stuff he puts in my hands, my gifts, I'm out of my little boat now. I'm in his kingdom, and we're going to go forward together following him. That's what it means. This is a kingdom. This being the kingdom of God, it's much bigger than Third City. You know this. It's his world. where It's his domain. And he invites us in. And it's an all or nothing commitment, friend. Now we're going to commune with Jesus. We're going to share the Lord's Supper in just a minute. Let me ask you, let me just ask you this question. This is something to meditate on as you're communing today if you're going to do it with us. When was the last time you said to our Lord and Savior, the King of of all, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. Maybe that's a prayer point for you as we go forward. Lord, I don't think you call us to menial things. I, I know you don't expect us just to, you know, to make some menial decision about following you and then just go live our lives like it didn't matter. I know that. Because we see what happens to people when they try that. It's it's a train wreck. It's a boat wreck. The boat sinks in the middle of an ocean of despair when we take your promises lightly and our commitment to you lightly. Lord, we're going to take this little piece of bread and this cup, and it's going to remind us of something really, really important. And it's not fair, but it's important. It reminds us you're all in. Thank you, Lord, that we can be a part of that. In Jesus we pray, amen. This series is going to come with warnings because it would be irresponsible not to. And let me just give you this warning. It's going to be different than you think. It just is. Like whatever you think it's going to mean to follow him, it's going to be different. Let's read on a little bit in chapter 1. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching, because it was different than they thought. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked them, saying, Be quiet. Come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. 
And immediately his fame spread throughout the region around Galilee. No struggles. No spells. No magical incantations. No book written by a 9th century, a 10th century priest about demon expulsions. Just a word. Get out of him. Come out. It's amazing. It's power and authority that will surprise all of us. And Mark wants us to know he has authority and power. And for those of you who are hurting and broken, he came so that you can know that authority and power. And so whatever demons that haunt you, they can be expelled, and he will do that. And Mark assumes that you will read the rest of this book. I challenged you to this a couple weeks ago. Sit down in one sitting. I'm kind of a fast reader. I can read in about 50 minutes. You might be faster than me. or I don't know. It won't take you very long. Because he knows this book will change your life. He assumes that you need this kind of power that Jesus has to bring you, the kind of authority that you need. And you will have to decide again and again and again. Crown of thorns, crown of glory. Which will it be? Because he's going to keep asking this question. Who is this? Who is this? Jesus isn't here to play some game of thrones with you. In every segment, every nook, and every corner of this gospel, he will be proclaimed as the Son of God, and you will have to decide. Am I going to stay in my little boat? Or am I going to get out and follow? I am just urging you to go with him. And it won't be what you think, but it'll be great. And it'll bring hope. And it'll bring you life that you've never had before. And in the end, when this kingdom for you transforms into that eternal kingdom, you're going to be really happy you did. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.